Welcome to X-Rated Movies! I'm one half of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. I'm the other half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. And we are two guys that used to date, and now, what do we do, Ryan? We don't date, we talk about movies! Nailed it. Matt, this movie podcast... I think we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention some current events. I feel like we talk about current events a lot on here, but uh, let's just get this out of the way. We are pro-Black Lives Matter. We are pro-Abolish the Police. Okay. Everybody's heard that. If you didn't hear our Defy Bloods episode a couple weeks back where we cover all this. Yes. And uh, if you want to hear that episode, why don't you head on over to our Our Patreon Patreon. and uh, chip in a few dollars. You can listen to us yammer on about that. But I don't want to talk about all that. I'm talking about something very important and near and dear to my heart. So I have a question for you. I'm just going to start it off this way. You're in the grocery store with your mask on and you're buying things and you're getting to the impulse uh, buy section and you're just like, well, I'll check it out because, you know, what else are you going to do while you're waiting there? Your phone's dead, so you can't look at that. And everyone's wearing a mask, so you can't check out people in front of you. This is a really elaborate scenario. I'm also, s- you know full well I still check out people in front of me. Right, but th- this time it's um, a, a, a it's old, old ladies. It's an old lady with a dumpy dump truck butt. <laughs> and um, I mean, I'm still scoping it. Oh, but- okay. Well, that's fine. Um, you look over and you see the gum. They've got gum sitting right there. And you're like, cinnamon, wintergreen, pepper green, uh, yellow mint. And you're like, oh. Pepper green? <laughs> my favorite flavor of gum is missing. What is that? Orange? Orange, huh? You like orange gum. Well, I, I don't know what the official uh, 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 gum industry term is for it, but it, like... Orange is what? a flavor of gum. Sure. Not orange mint, not orange refresh. Not pepper green. <laughs> I used to shade myself under the pepper green trees of Colorado <laughs> in the summers growing up, so I have fond memories of pepper green. What sort of fruit does pepper green trees give off? Pepper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Green pepper. Green pepper. With a just a sprig of mint. Everyone knows that's where uh, green peppers come from is the pepper green tree. How much water does a pepper green tree need? Oh, tons. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Did it cause a drought there like the almonds did in that's, California? That's the reason there are droughts in Colorado is that they soak up all the water from the land. They're kind of like potatoes. They soak up all the nutrients and you can't plant anything there ever again. So, Boy, I feel like that was something planted by the fig lobby long ago. How dare you attack the figs? Poor, innocent, soft-skinned figs. Easy to crush between your fingers. Meanwhile, Mr. Potatoes over there with a potato in his hand just mashing up the figs. I don't need your fig life matters propaganda over here. I know where my white potatoes stand. Wow. Behind a barricade of militarized police, right? Is that it? Hey, it's hard being a potato. They need that armor. They need those extra eyes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They will have none of your fig sass, sir. Well, all I got to say is that never heard of a fig killing a black person. (laughs) So just going to say that. So, So orange. You're missing orange. Orange is your favorite gum flavor. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, A, my palate's not that refined. Like, I don't know what you want out of this. Some sort of, like, what am I supposed to say? Aniseed? Truffle, <laughs> truffle oil, Matt. 
This an- I, oh, the antecedent cardamom gum is missing, clearly. <laughs> yes, as you straighten your ascot <laughs> and say, I'd prefer to speak to a manager about the situation in the gum department. Uh, the elastic chewables. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, all right, so you're disappointed in my orange. Actually, I'm not. I just I wanted to talk about gum. <laughs> Are you a gum enthusiast? Is it is well, there a no, flavor just, of gum that that is missing from your life? Oh, I don't care about flavors of Lemon gum. Lemon curd. I just to... <laughs> Are you missing your ginger and rose water gum? Mm, I remember when grandmama would would reach into her purse. Your Werther's original <laughs> with caramel and praline. So did you know gum? I looked this up because. I think everybody's heard the, like, when you were a kid, you're like, if you swallow gum, it stays in your stomach for seven years, right? Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. how that rumor got spread, but everybody seemed to know it. I looked it up one time because I was like, what even is gum? Is gum organic? Like, can you put it in the compost? Turns out it's not. It's basically chewable plastic. I mean, all plastic's chewable. It's a polymer (laughs) that's flavored that you're just chewing. Really? Yeah. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah, that is a little odd, but uh, I definitely used to eat my fair share of uh, uh, juicy fruits back in the day. Yeah. Chewable polymer. um, Let's see. I'm uh, 24 years old. So, yeah, they should all be coming out uh, right about now. Are you you checking every time? (laughs) You're like, oh, I remember that one. My my Casio has the, the year on it, so I can do the math real quick in my head. You see one, and you're like, minus 20. Yeah, well, the Casio comes with a calculator. You just have to press yeah. the catty-cornered buttons, uh-huh. and then it goes to calculator. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have negative 7 saved in the memory recall uh, slot on the calculator so that you can just be like, today's date, memory recall equals. And it just blinks 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are you a gum enthusiast? Is that why you brought this up? No. I almost feel like my opening banter would have been better than this. Oh, shit. You have something? Well, I mean... I thought you said you didn't have anything. Well, I have a question that I felt like you'd be the perfect person to ask. Do you want to do it now? Yeah, I guess. Um, (laughs) I don't like the build-up to this, but... (laughs) Why do pharmacies have blood pressure machines? Uh, So, I have, personally gotten like a flu shot at the pharmacy they make you get your blood pressure before that okay so they they've installed this machine specifically for flu shots yeah maybe yeah because do you need a lot of training to take someone's blood pressure because i feel like my dad does it at home all the time by himself Mm -hmm. but in this case the pharmacies are like we don't want to bother training people just like sit in the fucking chair (laughs) They don't want to train the pharmacist that I already have to go through six years of training. Yeah, they're like, here's a fucking robot. Like, <laughs> just let it handle it. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, because like, isn't it also just to like entertain kids while they're waiting for prescriptions? Like, go well, get your go get your blood pressure checked, Trevor. <laughs> Are you always taking kids there? I am. You're always taking kids to the pharmacy. Well, you get a discount on prescriptions <laughs> <Yeah>. that way. <laughs> uh, see, I had a much more nefarious thing where it's like. Uh, 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 come along, little Trevor. Get your prep prescription filled, and we'll go back to my place for some cake and medicine water. That's where your mind goes. 
Now, see, I like I when I was at QFC, which I don't even think the QFC, the pharmacy, at the QFC over here gives out flu shots. I don't know. Uh, Let's and- call them. This will be good pot. <laughs> Yes, hello. I'd like to speak to your pharmacist, please. Hold, please. Man, this is my jam. Yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, uh, I was wondering if there's any medications that require uh, certain uh, blood pressure. Uh, yeah, can I get your insurance card and uh, your full full name and social security number? Well, you can take it up with Obama. It's under the ACA. So he he's got it covered. Don't worry. So that's O B A Arab Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, yes. So uh, w- at least they're playing Lady Gaga's "Rain on Me." Just chromatica all the way. Yes. Hi. How can I help you? Uh, yeah, I was just wondering what the uh, blood pressure machine in your your lobby does. If if there's some sort of uh, uh, medication that requires a certain blood pressure before you can get your prescription filled. Let me get my supervisor. <laughs> I th- we're gonna if, be if here they forever. They weren't playing man. my jam, then. Okay, well we'll record it for another episode. <laughs> Let's come back. I mean, that was. Well, I, was I, just... I am curious, but like, it's just it seemed like this is taking up a lot of time. Well, I. This might just be a wild conspiracy theory, but I started thinking about it. Are they just, like, gas station rides for adults? Like, you know how there's, like, rocket ships or dinosaurs that you, like, put kids on while you're, like, yeah. you're filling up oh, gas? Oh, okay, gotcha. Like, is this just the same thing for adults? Like, oh, you have to wait 10, 15 minutes while your prescription's filled and you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, I'll put a quarter in the machine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I'm like, and suddenly I felt really degraded, like, when I had that thought. Did you get your blood pressure checked? No, I'm not going to pay the man. Like, I don't need to know my blood pressure. Well, maybe it's really fun. Maybe you're missing out. Well, maybe you're like, I mean, I did did it as a kid. (laughs) It definitely did it as a kid. Which makes me wonder what were prescriptions were my parents getting filled? But no, then all of a sudden, like, it just dawned on me. I'm like, this is like the little rocket ship that, like, you put your kid in. And like, we, and then you put the quarter in and they start crying when it moves. (laughs) I mean... Have you ever had to wait for a prescription? Sometimes they take forever. Yeah. May as well get your blood pressure checked. They should also have like a prostate examination machine. Mm, and... Now you're talking. <laughs> I'd pay 50 cents for that one. Can they do a semen inspection too? <laughs> Can they check my for a hernia? A urethra swab? Yeah. Oh, not that. Not that. <laughs> oh, you're not. Oh, suddenly. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Prude over here. Uh, yeah, I, I would like a, a, a hernia inspection and yeah, a prostate inspection. But no, the urethral swab. Ooh. I mean, maybe it would be better with the arm of a machine rather than the arm of a human. Because, boy, that one time that I went to that STD clinic and I got like the doctor with Parkinson's. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> the funny thing is, <laughs> that's you a true it's true. <laughs> Matt, speaking about being on shaky ground, I'm a little worried about how you felt about today's movie. As you should, Ryan. As you should. 
Today's movie is the 1972 art house classic, The Bitter Tears of Peter von Kant. I've threatened to do this movie hmm, since day one, pretty much. Yeah, so Fastbinder is a, a little bit of a blind spot in okay, my like okay, okay. art house. He has more movies than years he lived on the planet, so understandable. Part of the reason why it's a blind spot is because way back in the day, you're like, don't watch his movies because I want to do it for the podcast. <laughs> and here we are nearly four years later, and you've chosen your first one. Ta-da! This is my third Fastbinder movie. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, I've seen uh, Querelle. Same. And I have seen uh, Ali, Fear Eats the Soul. Okay, I've heard it's good. I haven't seen it is good. It, uh, I mean, it is sort of a, a modernist retelling of okay. all that heaven allows. The Douglas Sirk movie. It's it's. He did love Douglas Sirk. I think it's like no secret that like he took a, a small hiatus, watched a bunch of Douglas Sirk movies, and then like came back with a bunch of movies that were inspired by them. This being one of them. Was so, it really? Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see how he was informed by a female perspective, which mm-hmm. Douglas Sirk. That was sort of the perspective that he preferred. And like the Hollywood melodrama style, I think, too. Yeah. I, watching this one, because it's been a while since I've seen a Fastbinder movie. He seems a little dramatic. Oh. He seems like he might be a handful in mm-hmm. real life. Mm. I don't know too much about the man, but what I've read, it just sounds like, damn, I don't ever want to meet you <laughs> in person. You sound like a lot. Yeah. Uh, but... I also like, I, I this is also continuing your theme of like choosing real crowd pleasers to bring I them know, back. I thought about that after, too. After the long break. Jesus Christ. I'm like, hey kids, you want to watch a meta movie about Hamlet? Yay. I can't wait for X-rated movies to come back. And now we have another break. It's like, hey kids, you want to watch an art house lesbian German drama <laughs> that takes place in one room? Yay. <laughs> oh my god i know i know and like it made sense at when the time I, when i chose it but then like as soon as it started i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> okay so this was a play that he turned into a movie and so one of the like main criticisms i think of the movie is that it's just uh, a filmed play which i can see mm. but i think i disagree because the way it's directed and the cinematography around it makes it so much more than a filmed play. It is. It like this almost seems like a movie I would pick instead of you because <sighs> I love there, hearing you say that. Because <laughs> as soon as I was watching, I was like, "Oh, Matt's gonna love this." I just know. <laughs> well, I mean, real quick, this movie hits a lot of a lot of checks <sighs> for us. It's gay. There's wigs. <laughs> the fashion in this is bananas. Bananas. <laughs> Uh, and then adding to that, the interior design. I wish I could have seen more of this house. Oh my God. Because like, we really only see this one room that has this white angelic shag carpeting. Oh, my God. And this ornate like Baroque painting it's in the Poussin. background. <laughs> uh, just as a mural on a whole wall. And then there's like mannequins just yeah. hanging out. like. Oh, the production design, it gives me chills. I love yeah, it. so th- there's a lot of boxes checked that, that's like unique to our podcast, mm-hmm, I feel. Mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of power dynamics, Dom sub stuff going oh, on. Oh, totally. Like I saw hints of Duke of Burgundy. Well, in Peter this. Strickland says that this is one of the biggest influences for the Duke of Burgundy. So. There you go. I mean, mm-hmm. mannequins, the Dom sub relationship. I mean, the difference here is that in. Duke of Burgundy, everyone was sort of comfortable in their roles. And here, I feel like people enjoy being emotionally masochistic. I know. Or emotionally sadistic. Uh, I guess both. masochistic. But they don't even realize it. Like Marlena and like her longing. I'm like, is everyone okay with this? <laughs> God, she's like a dirty little sub. She's a little pig. She's like, treat me mean. Don't give me any satisfaction. I love it. And then like, not to jump too far ahead, but like when she finally gets the respect she fucking deserves, she's like, I'm going to go. That's what I, that's how I read it anyway. Oh, see. Oh, well, we'll, we'll we'll wait to the end. I guess. Put a pin in Marlena because she's, she's, she has no lines, but she's a very important character. Yeah. She's throughout. So it was a play. I, I did read that it, it was a stage play that Fassbinder wrote in one flight from Berlin to New York or something, or Berlin to Los Angeles. It was a 12-hour flight, wrote the whole play in that one 12-hour flight. What the fuck? The guy uh, like was just churning shit out. And because he's sort of a blind spot to me, I, I can't quite place this work in the, the greater Fassbinder oeuvre mm-hmm. because Quarrel, like I, I like Quarrel, but like, is it an actually good movie? Probably no, not. it's not. And then Ali fear eats the soul. It is a good movie, but it also kind of has this like emotional masochism to it, but it's a very different movie than this, like formally and structurally like Everything about it is very different from Ali. And I don't think they're very far apart, right? Ali was also like in the uh, early, maybe mid-70s. It could have been 74, 75. I want to but... say it's the same cinematographer, even. Mm. Who also worked with Martin Scorsese. He did mm. After Hours, which was an mm. episode on the podcast. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a couple other big ones. Goodfellas, he did. Oh, damn. So, yeah, he's got a lot to his name. His name is... Michael Ballhouse. Okay. But uh yeah, he's he's a big deal. He's done he did like uh, Wild Wild West even, like big name. Oh the Barry Sonnenfeld joint. Yeah. <laughs> he's worked with lots of people, but he did he did a couple other things with Scorsese and he's been around. But like he started with Fastbender, so mm. this was only his like second or third movie. Now is it Fastbender or Fastbinder? I thought it was Bender. Well, because there's Michael Fastbender. Oh shit. Am I saying it wrong? And I, I feel like the director is... Oh, it, look, it looks like Binder. You're right. I th- yeah, I, I think it's Michael Rainier Fassbinder. I've never heard it said out loud. Rainier Werner Fassbinder. Michael Rainier Fassbinder. Is it Michael? Is it a Michael? I think it's just Rainier Werner Fassbinder. Rainier Werner? Oh, no, you're right. I'm just mixing up the actor and the director. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Rainier, okay. Werner, Fassbinder. Binder. You're right. I'm sorry. <sighs> okay. Well, now that we have that sorted. <sighs> we got there. But yeah, so he, he this was uh, his first movies were with uh, Fassbinder. So, okay. Um, and damn, what a cinematographer we got working here on this movie. So I watched this movie for the first time a long, long time ago. I got super stoned. This was back 
in the Bo Trevi vein where okay. I was like, I'm just going to get stoned and watch a movie on Criterion and I hope it's bad because I want to prove them wrong. And this was when I was like, oh, this sounds terrible. It's like some old lesbians upset about her life. Can't wait. And I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I loved that. And I've, I've seen it now two times since then. And like, I think what I love about it is it's dreamlike quality. The first line basically is Petra saying like, I had crazy dreams last night. When I watch this movie, especially when stoned, there'll be moments when I'm like, because the way the camera frames people, they look like paintings, like ever so often it'll just move. And then it's just the way everything's placed and the way people are placed. It looks like a painting. I'll wake up from my sort of meanderings and think like, how did, wait, how did we get to this? Because like he's crossing the 180, you know, line all the time in this movie. The, the camera's moving all over, but like the space never feels weird because it's just one room, one very small room. Yeah, that we're in the whole time. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of like movies that take place in like one space, this is particularly confined. It's claustrophobic. But, like, the way it's filmed, it feels fresh. Like, it keeps moving around in a way that you're like, I'm never bored with the room. And there's enough production design in the room that you're like, oh, that's interesting the way that that's moving there's in relation to depth what we're talking about. in the about. room. So it's like uh, uh, Petra can be on her bed talking and, like, the camera will sort of zoom in on Marlena in the background, like, oh, listening that in. Oh, don't give me I mean, th- I feel like there's a couple times where even though Petra's in the foreground that we're focusing on the background. And yeah, there is very specifically a scene where it's like it, it zooms in on Marlena and she's yeah. crying. It's and- when she's talking about, it's when Petra's talking to Karen, I want to say. Okay. about The model? Uh, yes. Okay. About, Petra's talking to Karen about her husband and how um, after a while she just sort of like, they, they couldn't pretend anymore. And the, that's the when first it, or the second husband. I want the first husband. Her second husband died in a car wreck. Um, I thought the first husband died in a car wreck. No, it's the second one. Oh, the first okay. one is the one she divorced. Okay. And so that, that was been, the one that she like grew disgusted. Yeah. With. So she must've been talking to Sidonie, her friend or sister. I'm not exactly sure who Sidonie her is. Her cousin. Is that who it is? I think, I think Sidonie is her cousin. Okay. So she's talking to Sidonie about it. And like, Petra's in the foreground, Marlena's in the background, and at some point, Petra says, like, uh, I don't know, that's when truth didn't work for us anymore, or something like that. And then, like, at that moment, Marlena turns and looks at Petra in the background, and there's a slow zoom in on uh, Marlena's face, and Petra keeps talking, blah, blah, blah. And then it, like, goes out of focus, and then pans again over to Petra, and it's, like, extreme close-up of Petra's face, and you're just like, I love all this like stylistically it's just magic it looks it's just I'm never bored the first act I'm gonna say it it was a little tough to penetrate because it is a lot of just talking about things that we never see like yeah like the, the first act spends a lot of time talking about her previous marriages and how they succeeded or failed. One of her husbands died. One of her husbands she divorced from. 
the one that died, it seemed sort of tragic. The one that she divorced from is because they, it, it was out of disgust and loathing. And, and Well, he, uh, he was jealous of her because she got successful. Like, As a fashion designer, we haven't mentioned she's a fashion designer. She's a fashion designer. designer, yeah. It was a little impenetrable for me in that first act because it was just, it was a lot of talking and it's all in German. Some slow. Slow. Let's admit, this is a very slow movie. And But there is little things to keep you hooked, like Petra's relationship with Marlene. You don't know the nature of their relationship right off the bat. It's like, is this an assistant? Is this a, a maid? But then it's like, oh, she's asked to to dance with her. Dance with her. I'm like, okay. But then she's also asked to like do the sketches. So it's like, is this a professional assistant? Is this a household assistant? Is, is this, this a, a lover? lover? Yeah. And there's no answers. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's yes to all those things. She's all those things. Also, Merlena's makeup makes her look sort of like a doll. She's like she has very like almost pancake white makeup, mm-hmm. and like there are all these mannequins and dolls littered throughout the scenery. I mean, the doll aspect kind of comes back. It comes later, back later. But, I mean, there are mannequins uh, often in the foreground of the frame, uh, in, in as the movie goes along. Well, even in the background, they're always like moving. They're almost like their own characters but i mean petra is never actually seen working even though she makes a big deal about how she earns her money like we see marlena like drawing sketches or working with the mannequins i I mean honestly the typing thing was a little obnoxious (laughs) um but petra makes this big deal about how she's earned all of her money but we don't actually see her working but we do see marlena working yeah in the background quite a bit it's a good point to me i'm like even part of her success is due to Marlene. It's sort of like House of Versace, where, <laughs> where uh, you know, somebody else already designed the dress, and then um, Gina Gershon comes in, just rips off the sleeves, and it's like, now it's successful. That sleeve took two days to figure out. Part of me that felt that even though Petra boasted about her, her accomplishments that a lot of it was due to Marlena. Sure. I, I mean, there's not anything in the movie to dispute that either because we're just focused on Petra's desire for Karin and you just have to accept that she's famous. So I mentioned earlier that like this is sort of like the way this the camera moves and things like that is sort of like a dream. How, like, How do you feel about the way that this space is treated because to me it just feels like even though it's one very small space the way that the camera treats it and the way that the characters move throughout it and the production design makes it feel so inventive that it doesn't matter that it's small yeah it doesn't necessarily feel like a play like it's not like i'm watching a film play necessarily like i i I do notice that it's all in one room but part of that is only because like this one room is so immaculately decorated that I want to like see the rest of the house. Uh-huh. And the beginning of the movie, I'm like when the credits roll in, I'm like, what am I watching here? Like I can see that there's a cat eating, right. but it takes me kind of a while before I realize that there's a second cat eating. I'm like, what the hell is that? On a staircase. Yeah, it's 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 a little odd. So like I am curious as to what the rest of the house looks like. But, you know, A, the camera is on either side of the room. 
Like it's not like we're we're seeing it like a play where it's all taken from one side of the stage. Like we're seeing it on either side, on you, multiple sides. I, I mean, feel you, like. you were yeah. talking about the 180 degree rules thrown out the window here, and that's true. And it also feels like the blocking in the movie isn't like you could reproduce it on stage, but I don't know if it would quite have the same impact. Just it wouldn't read the same yeah. based on where you were sitting in the audience. Cause like there's a lot of blocking, especially I think it's in act two when Karen is over and there is like almost like a persona like shot of like, oh, yeah. Where they're like their bodies are. <laughs> no, I, I took a note on that shot because like, Petra's sitting behind Karin while she's talking and their bodies hide each other, but their heads are like, it looks like a split. Yeah. Hydra style. And in that scene, like up until that point, the room has felt very full of decoration. Like you have that painting, you've got that shelves, you've got like the lower area with like all the shit going on down there with the mannequins, et cetera, et cetera. Mannequins, there's drapes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that shot, the way it's framed you see just them with a white brick wall behind them. And the only other things in the frame are a bed frame and like a sliver of that big green lamp. And you're just like, wow, you're able to pick the like one angle of this room that looks minimal, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. even though it's like, we know it's the same room, but suddenly it feels more open, Mm -hmm. you know? And to me, that's, that's just like super inventive, to control your space so well to know that like if we can make this scene look more open by just like figuring out where to place the camera correctly and how to place our people. I mean, it is one of those things that uh, uh, it, it's like if you strip away your choices, what are the, the options that you, you choose to do? Yeah. And it's like in this instance, like you have a room to film this movie and how do you not make it feel that way? And Fastbinder does a pretty good job of not making it feel like it's just one room or one claustrophobic space. Cause the room, yeah, it's not big. Like there's little corridors off to the side where like Marlene is typing or and then sketching. There's, there's a shot very early on when Marlene is like uh, looking in through like a weird 90 degree angle window when mm-hmm. Sidonie arrives, which is a great still life. Cause it like, it's literally the only dialogue is like these banalities of like, how are you? I'm well, I flew in on a plane, blah, blah, blah. But you can tell that Marlena is going through the shit because of the way she's standing with her hand on the window, sadly reflecting. I, yeah. <laughs> I eat that shit up. I know maybe, maybe you had a different problem with it, but like, well, okay. I'll throw this out now. This movie has striking similarities to another movie we've covered on the podcast that you did not care for. One phantom thread that also deals with uh, an emotionally abusive fashion designer. Now, I know the fashion that he made wasn't as bananas (laughs) as the fashion we see in this movie. But there are actually a lot of similarities that that I wasn't anticipating here. And you are famously hate that movie and yet this movie which even has more emotional masochism to it than phantom thread you adore so i I am curious is it is it just the gay 
element to it that elevates it or is there something else that elevates this movie and you're gonna come at me and you know what i'm gonna throw an extra log on that fire because um if you remember i also had some issues with a certain movie called the sacrifice which is also an arty style mm-hmm. quote unquote i mean that's what, that's why i said like this is almost a movie that, that i would pick because like I'm the Bergman and Tarkovsky fan of the <laughs> two of us, and this is right in that wheelhouse. Yep. And you're right. There were also many times in this movie where I was watching, I was like, oh, this is just people being horrible to each other. Why do I like this? Mm-hmm. And for the record, I think I landed on, I liked both The Sacrifice and Phantom Thread. It just came across that I didn't like them as much as you and you, therefore that you, lands in you hate. like them it just didn't come across in your expressions of them yeah they're they're fine movies just not my faves a gay goes a long way <laughs> b i think there is something to be said about the intimacy and inventiveness of doing it all in one setting the way he does like we talk about every frame of painting and I'm like, you could pick, I, I, you, we should mention this. Matt, Matt's the one, if you go to our website and you look at our episode page, he's the one who picks the stills from each movie mm. that we do. And I'm like, you're going to have a hell of a time picking one from this because there are so many good ones. And like, I'll watch this and suddenly I'm like, wow, that is breathtaking. And I'm like, wait, how did we even get to this? Like, I don't even remember what we were talking about. I don't remember what brought it to this but then like you see this basically talking painting and you're like oh shit this is magic and it happens several times like a good example is the one we mentioned earlier where like you know it zooms in on marlena and then soft focus pans over and we see petra another great one is when and we haven't even talked about the music in this but like great use of music i think solid Uh, needle drops uh, at second one she does is when she's trying to seduce Karen and she puts on the Walker brothers. I was which... going to say Scott Walker is actually very oh. seductive music. Mm. Like, And the song is In My Room. Hello. <laughs> she walks over the record player, puts on the music, and while there's a slow zoom out, or maybe it's a pull out. I, I can't tell the difference really, but like while that's happening, you've got Petra, a mannequin, and then Marlena. Like one, two, three. They're all like equally spaced in the frame. As it pulls out, Karen's dancing over to the music, and she takes the place of the mannequin. Mm. So, like when when you before it zooms out, there's like a triangle almost of like Petra's tie mannequin, then Marlena, and when it zooms out and Karen takes the place of the mannequin, the triangle has shifted, and now Karen's the peak of the triangle rather than Petra. And also, then you get like the champagne, and it's like it's, it paints a whole different picture suddenly as he's moved out, and it pauses there and then zooms back in. And I think that Karin actually like replaces Marlena once it finally like zooms back in, and you're just like, holy shit! Like you're telling a whole story because you know if Marlena's the doll mannequin now, at that point, mm-mm, it's now Karin who's the one who's the mannequin yeah because like not to jump too far ahead but like once we get to act four and this is roughly a four act structure it's like four acts with a finale and there's a doll at the end that looks like like Karen. yeah yeah and it does sort of reinforce that idea that 
Petra just plays with people for her pleasure because she genuinely appreciates that doll. Yeah. And, you know, this is at an act where Petra is not very receptive to just general niceties. So the fact that she was like, oh, I like this rings true that she actually likes it Mm -hmm. but does she like it because like oh this is a nice doll or is it because it reminds her of who she's desperately waiting for contact from we don't know boy i like you know during the time of this podcast you've never been single that's true i have Uh, you know i'm a swinging bachelor sometimes I know what it's like to wait for that text message. Mm. You've forgotten, Ryan. You're like Petra at the beginning of Act 4, just like the Karen, phone rings. Karen! Karen bye! Uh. Hello? Nein, hier ist nicht von Kant. Who knows what those calls were? Hello? Hello, this is the pharmacy. You need to come in for a, a blood pressure check. Goodbye! <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know the score. Mm-hmm. I appreciate her her longing, but at the same time, I was like, "Girl, you need to get out of the house." She's moved the furniture around enough. She's moved the bed out of that room. She's like, she's moved the bed out of the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, there is like a magical element to this movie of like furniture moving, but like speaking of magical don't, elements, don't care, don't care. What did you read from the wigs? <laughs> The, the wigs are very. A decision was made with those wigs. So, so you know how in Showgirls, uh, uh, I do. Th- they're always talking about like nails. Yep, yep. <laughs> I kind of feel like Fassbender's like women like wigs, right? Let's just uh, let's throw some but wigs in these, here. These wigs were very determined. Like a decision was made with the choice of these wigs. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, she's in fashion. So uh, part of 70s German fashion probably involved but e- wigs. Every act has a new wig. Oh, my God. The looks. Yeah. Let, let's, okay. Let's just take a second. Let, all right. Let's devout. step back and, and, and look at things objectively. Oh so we have act one. Petra's awakened out of her bed with right. her real hair. And no makeup. No makeup by Marlena. And she's like, I'm so thirsty. Squeeze me some fresh orange juice. Yeah, because she's probably hung over. And she throws on a, a wig before her cousin comes over, Sidone or, or yeah, whatever. Sidonie. Sidonie. It's a light brown wig, right? In the Honestly, first one. I couldn't tell the difference between the Act 1 wig and the Act 2 wig, but maybe there was. No, one. the Act 2 wig was like dark, like brown, almost black. Okay, 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 okay. The, the first one was... Brown, maybe dirty blonde. Okay, Qu- okay. Couldn't I? You know, I, I couldn't say one way or the other. But I mean, the act two it, it, when Petra comes into the scene, <laughs> she can yeah. barely walk I know. in those pants. The, that dress, the dress. We'll get to the dress in a second. But she's like, you see her from the legs down, and the buzzer rings. And she's like, I'm not ready yet. I'm gonna go away. Let her in, and I'll be back. So Marlena lets Karen in, and then. Petra makes her her grand, her grand entrance, but like, yeah, she can barely walk in the thing. There's the, the dre- so many pearls, and the dress is like sexy. I mean, not that Karen isn't oh, exactly yeah. 
dressed to the nines herself like she's ready for studio 54 <laughs> at this moment and then like you like you look at car and you're like oh that's totally outlandish fashion and not to be outdone but petra comes in the scene <laughs> this time she's got a her hair is much bigger. Much bigger. Much bigger wig. Like brown, dark brown or black or something. An insanely taller beaded top. It's like barely covers beaded her boobies. With pearls that like both like imbue and drape Ugh. off her dress. And this like periwinkle Weird parachute <laughs> pants like with a, a sash around it wrapped so she can't walk so, it, and like she does that thing where she like tries to like seductively walk into the room <laughs> but it it looks like the ankle length of this dress pants skirt like it's like a pencil skirt that doubles as pants that goes down to mm. the ankle she would like, get red on project runway <laughs> they'd be like oh my the god model can't even walk in this. i was totally i was like what <laughs> What would Michael Kors say about this? This is transvestite <laughs> flamenco dancer at a funeral. I'll tell you what he'd say. He'd say it's a mess. It's not sexy. You can't wear it. It's not editorial. <laughs> it was just Oh no, it's editorial. <laughs> Nina would be like, I I'd like I, to I, I, I like the look. look cover, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of look. It's a lot of look. And she's just and, and that, <laughs> With the wig, With you got you gotta imagine this OTT pantsuit with the wig, and they're just hanging out in that. She's like resting on her the, bed in this it. This is my gin drinking outfit. <laughs> I know, I know, but that's part of the joy of this movie, isn't it? You're just like, what the fuck are they wearing? And they're just lounging around in it. It's just it's particularly prominent in act. Too. Oh, I love it. I'm just eating it up. But honestly, it kind of matches the decor. Like this white fluffy shag carpeting with this like Renaissance painting in the background. <sighs> and even her sheets are a little gauche. And, like, the, and just like the way it creates a tableau when she's like sitting on the bed seductively. It's almost like she's on a chaise lounge mm-hmm. with her legs up. And it's just like, oh, it looks awesome it's it it also just strikes me as like so gay oh like that's the gay like thing. no actual lesbian would dress this way this is like gay people playing with barbies a little bit like i know but don't you love this it is, this is mackle <laughs> rainier fastbinders sex in the city 2 like just completely over the top fashion and interior design and uh, emotionality. Like, I know it's like an opera, <laughs> but don't you love it? And then I Verity mean, plays. <laughs> I'm fucking eating it up. I'm just like, yes, give me this. It honestly, it's almost a little too over the top, even for me. And I feel <sighs> weird. Am I crazy? Like, am I wrong for You're, loving no, it? Okay. No, definitely not. But it's just like. I feel weird saying, like, this movie that's also so minimalistic is over the top. Because, like, only a super dramatic gay person would design this movie. Like, only someone who was, like, high on their own drama would make this movie. I mean, I'm here for it. I don't know. <laughs> now, now you're making me feel like I'm wrong in that, but, like... I mean, you're not wrong. It's just, when I watched I'm like... Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I know. Who made these decisions? Oh, 
Rainier Fastbinder <laughs> made all the decisions. I know. I know. The movie was filmed like over 10 days. The budget was minimal. He had total creative control over this whole project. And part of me is like, yes, like give gay people total creative control and they will make art. And then I see the art they make. I'm like, okay, let's rein it in a little bit. (laughs) I did like the movie, but I didn't love the movie. Okay, 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 okay. okay, Like, I I guess is, is what I'm saying, like, would I recommend this movie to the average like film goer? No, probably not. Not yeah. at all. But like, if you're into like art house or interesting cinema, one hundred percent. I watched it twice for this podcast. First time through, I was like, I don't think we're gonna have anything to talk about. I'm really worried. <laughs> Second time through, I was like, I think there's too much to talk about. We're not gonna have time for everything. And it's like. This is just like twice I watched this movie and it's like I can have like a a scenic just enjoy it and be like, wow, I I don't have anything to say about it. And then I can watch it very attentively on lots of caffeine and be like, fuck, everything is important. I think the movie's better on caffeine, sort of like the sacrifice where I was like, I recommended that we all take an edible and watch the movie, but it's actually better in the morning with a little coffee like. Girl, I don't know. I think we should combine the two. I think it should be coffee and weed. Little little CBD coffee. Try a little both and see how that fits you. Because I did have a little trouble getting into the movie. That's fair. That's like, fair. I watched the movie twice. <laughs> Actually, like good for uh, you. Yeah. No, I called in uh, late for work. I was like, I'm not going to be in there till one today, so I could watch. The <laughs> I've got to watch the time. bitter tears of Peter Van <laughs> yeah. Con a second time. Yep. Exactly. And the second time, I was like, okay, I'm a little bit more into it this time. But the first round, I was like, this is a little tough to get into for me. I mean, I get it. But, like, I feel like it keeps rewarding because, like, this the third time I watched it, during, like, act two, when she's actually seducing Karin, they're standing in front of the wall mural, and it's just, like, Dionysus' dick dangling over them the whole time and see i th- i think act two is the most interesting act i in agree the it loses movie. a little steam after that but just the fact that like that he films the scene where peach was really going after Karin, being like mama horny like you have the dick of the greek god of bacchanalia above you and it's just like it's so obvious but it's also like he put that painting in the background so he could use it it's like there's like mounds of flesh all over that movie there's like naked women and like one of them's like got her hand and is in repose and like that gets echoed in like one of the characters sometimes laying on the bed and it's just like well, I think we are even introduced to Petra with her her forearm yeah. over her eyes. Yeah. Like as as Marlene is pulling back the blinds. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in this and it it's super tasty. It's super dramatic. I know, I know, I know. I mean, I want to emphasize the sound design too because like I I feel like movies of this time didn't really focus on sound as much and I think this movie does. A with the music drops. We got we've got the platters, smoke it's in your eyes. We've got the Walker Brothers, got a Verde song, and then at the very end we've got the uh, Great Pretender song. But like all those, the movie stops when those mu- when those uh, songs oh, come on. Super dramatic so, needle drops. Great. Like, just I I can't remember a use of music like this before that. Yeah, you're probably right. Like, uh, I think of of music afterwards, and I think like Quentin Tarantino. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, I think of Pulp Fiction when 
I mean, there's um, some French New Wave, like what's the one where they all dance or whatever? Uh, uh, Band Apart. Yeah, yeah, which I think is before this, but or, still, like yeah, Band of Outsiders. Yeah, not there's there there aren't a ton of movies. Like that I, do I think this. Uma Thurma putting like "Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon." Like yes, it's it's that same power or or impact like the the music holds. And like they they play all of "Smoke It's in Your Eyes," like the whole song plays. Oh yeah, they paid for those rights. They're gonna use them. Yeah, and uh. And then, like, also, like, the typewriter, like you mentioned earlier, like, it is this sort of, like, almost annoying. It's grating yeah, a little bit. Yeah, in the background, especially when, because it happens a like, lot in Act 2 when she's trying to seduce Because I tried to Karin. appreciate it on, like, a dramatic level. I'm like, is this supposed to be, you know, uh, uh, representative of Marlena's, like, inner turmoil? I'm like, it is and but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to hear it's it. It's also sort of her distracting her from seducing another girl yeah because like it's very plain like marlena does not i'm i'm not a masochist (laughs) like i don't know the inner workings of their mind but it's like and it's a little ambiguous that it's like is marlena actually like hurt by the actions of petra or is this why she likes petra oh she's into it yeah is this flaunting part of why marlena likes this relationship or is she putting up with it? I guess I should say. And that's never answered nor should it be answered for the movie. That that's the beauty of the movie is that like, we don't know the exact nature of Petra and Marlene's relationship. I know. And so when it, at the very end, when When she's like, is packing. Yeah. And she's like, you can, you, I think she says like, you deserve respect, you know, like, almost like let's be friends or something like that and that's when she's like I don't want that it's almost like she's like I liked being your abused sub I don't want to be your friend and that's when she's like I pack up and then she packs up and one of the things she packs up is a gun yeah I mean that's a super important scene so you interpret that as Marlena packing up yeah oh do you think it's Petra saying get out of my house no, Petra's talking about how she's going to take a trip, like in the scene before. And so I thought that it was Marlena packing up a suitcase for Petra. Oh, I thought that was uh, Marlena leaving. I thought that was Marlena's like last straw where she's like, you know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want it anymore. I'd probably have to watch the movie again to know if you're right or wrong on that. Hmm. Because... Or, or maybe we're both right and wrong. Yeah, um, maybe. Marlena has maybe one line. Yeah. So who knows what's going through Marlena's head? So in that moment, the ambiguity of her actions is probably intentional. So I think any read is probably legit. I did enjoy the movie, but I don't understand emotional masochism the way that Fastbinder shows it because it's not just Marlena that that is an emotional masochist Petra is too I mean the power shifts in this movie are like fast and furious and which is something I thought you'd jump on I thought you would like that I mean I do like it but this there's an extreme here like even I have a ceiling like <laughs> while other kitchen sink dramas show reality this one just magnified the mean of it and not 
the whole spectrum of it. Well, it's because it's in a bedroom and there's no kitchen sink. I mean, you might be right there. <laughs> it's super interesting, and it's, like, it's super thought-provoking. Like, I'm, I'm totally, like, with this movie as, like, something that should be seen and thought about and analyzed, but, like, do I think that it's, like, an enjoyable movie? I don't know if you can convince me of that. The only thing I can say in German is Lass my Schmerzen, Victor Lorenzine. Uh, does that mean that you want to annex Poland? Let my suffering not be in vain. Oh, is that from the movie? No, it's from a play I did. You did a play? Yeah. When? College. What was it called? Lost my schmerz to Nick for Lawrence. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so. so thank you. I hope you enjoyed or felt uh, some sort of enlightenment from watching this. Oh, totally. To- so. and one A was a movie I've never seen. I'm always here for that. Uh, this was a very arty gay film I've never seen. Once again, 100% here for that. So even though it wasn't a movie that I loved, like it, I had a lot of thoughts about it. Totally here for it. Yeah, cool. Like, like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel bad for what I'm going to say for next week. <gasps> All right, we, we've just done like really high art. Like you, you'd be hard pressed to, higher art than than the bitter tears of Peter Vakans. Okay. <laughs> so instead of trying to even compete with that, I'm going the exact opposite. Oh, route. I can't wait. This is going to be good. I'm doing the cheap, sleazy thriller, Perfect Getaway. Oh, I, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> I mean, maybe rightfully so. Who knows? It's just cheap thrills. It's sexy people in a murder mystery movie. <gasps> Like, it's far, far removed from what we just did. But I think we'll have fun with cool. it. Cool, 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 cool. Plug our junk, get the fuck out of yeah, here. let's get out of here. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash movies. If you're enjoying this content and want to pay for it, that's the best way to do it, and we appreciate all our Patreons. And guess what? When you do that, you get bonus content. There's movies we've covered that we will not release to the public. They're only for our Patreon. I mean, at this point, you're you're missing out on like some stuff that comes straight to streaming services. We did the Five Bloods. We did Shirley. You know, other movies that come straight to streaming that that won't be on the main like, feed. Like the hit the hit stuff, the current stuff. That's where we put that stuff. So if you're if you're interested in hearing what we have to say about things that are going on right now. Give us a few bucks. And you know what? If you see a tier on there that you don't feel comfortable paying too much for, talk to us. Send us an email. We'll make a new tier for you. You want to do $1 a month? We'll do it. You want to do $3 a month? We'll do it. Just, like, send us an email. We'll set it up for just you. This is personalized Patreon happenings. And in lieu of that, go to our website, xratedmovies.com, or go to our Facebook page, ratedxmovies.com or go to our Twitter xratedmovies go to our email x.rated.movies at gmail.com and uh yeah leave us love leave us love
If you don't do any of the previous stuff, do what Ryan's about to say. We love it when you give us five stars and a little chitty chat review on the Apple Podcasts that includes, you know, Jimmy Stewart Blumpkins or Gloopy Gloopin' the Gloopenheim or Oh My God, This Podcast Changed My Life or Matt and Ryan Are So Sexy and Hot. I love hearing them talk about movies because their voices are sexy and hot. Things like that. Anyway, next week we're doing Personal Vendetta. What was it called? <laughs> Perfect getaway. That's it. Until then, keep reaching for that rainbow. Goodbye.